This episode of Off My Shelf contains coarse language and adult conversation. Listener discretion is advised. My name is Tracy James and welcome to Off My Shelf, a podcast about movies that are well off my shelf, where we go through my DVDs and talk about the movies in my collection. In this episode, Austin Wong joins me in talking about two moody films from the early 2000s with Matchstick Men and Memento. Welcome! Hi, glad to be back. Yes, it's always a pleasure to have you here to have a nice discussion about like artsy things on film. It's great. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And like one of these films that we're talking about tonight, I would say is very artsy. It's like a pretty artsy film. Mm-hmm. And the other one is not, but it was. Uh... When you say, like, to be honest, after watching both of these, I am not 100% sure which one you're talking about. So it will okay. be a surprise. Yeah, well, here, one thing I will say is, so I wanted to do this episode because Memento was one of my favorite movies, like from way back. And I mm-hmm. hadn't seen it in years, but like when it first came out, I was obsessed because I just thought it's so clever. It's so unique. It's so interesting. And, you know, I just thought it was endlessly interesting. And uh, I never saw Matchstick Men at all. Like I, it was just the other film on this episode. So I watched it for the very first time, which I haven't done for any other any other films episodes. I've always seen them before and just rewatched. so this time I this is like my first time watching it so it's like my fresh like my fresh reaction and I have to say I was very surprised by it oh really I did not um like I just like I just rented it off of I think it was Apple Plus I used and so I didn't read anything and I just looked at the poster and I kind of thought okay it looks kind of like and then it starts and I thought looks comedy it's and I thought it's going to be a con a con man comedy kind of thing and it, it kind of it is basically mm-hmm. but and then it kept going but then I kept saying where are the cons like it was just spending so much time with the people and I I was expecting Ocean's Eleven like strategizing the whole time kind of thing oh, right oh yeah 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 it doesn't do that it just it's it's very more on the characters than the cons I would say and then but then. And then the daughter shows up. I guess I'm sort of getting into this, but then the daughter shows up and I thought, now it's another movie entirely. Now it's like, you know, the ne'er-do-well kind of curmudgeon that now has a daughter. And now it's like this sort of sentimental comedy that's not even a con man comedy. Now it's like this sort of family comedy. Yeah. And then by the end, <laughs> I was very surprised by the end. I had no idea that was going to happen. Uh, yeah, so. They- it's one of those movies that plays pretty smooth because even me rewatching it, because I've, I've seen this movie several times, um, just not within like the last like eight to 10 years. I haven't watched it. It's been on my shelf for a long time. And even like about three quarters through, and I was like, I thought this was different. Why did I think this was? Th-? And then it happens like, oh, there it is. Okay. Okay, never mind. It is right. that it, it is what I thought. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, even I forgot like how much of the story is not focused on like the real goal of it, the whole thing. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm trying not to give it away yet. Um, but so you spend a lot. Yeah, like you said, you spend a lot of time in the space where you're just like, this is not what I was expecting. I didn't expect to be here this long. Exactly. You know. Um, yeah. But the thing is, it's not. But it's not boring. No, 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 no. It was very absorbing. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really fun movie. Like, 
And also the fact that I didn't know what was happening or what was going to happen. And I kept resetting my expectations and I kept trying to put it into these tropes that I thought, okay, this is going to be a con man movie. And then it wasn't that. And then this is going to be one of those sort of kindergarten cop or that, that kind of, that's a really weird reference, but just like <laughs> that kind of like the rock is now babysitting or whatever, like that kind of movie. Yeah. And I thought it was going to be that. And it's also not, it sort of is. And then it's not <laughs> at all. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like, because I think after Ocean's Eleven came out, there were so many like heist movies that do this. I know it was technically a remake and everything. So, and, and stuff, but yeah, it originally had the Brat Pack. It was like, um, like oh, uh, Ocean's, 11. Ocean's 11. Sorry. Yeah. No, uh -huh. um, Magic Man is, is based on a book, um, but it is not a remake. Um, but like with like Ocean's Eleven and stuff, after that movie came out, there was a lot of heist movies that were just these like quick, snappy, like, oh, we're doing this, we're doing this, we're doing that. And like, you know, something is happening and the whole point is this thing happening and you have to see this thing happening. But this one, it's just like something's happening, but they don't pay attention to it at all. Yes. Yeah. And that's the genius because the movie itself is like a long con, long con, right? It like it's it totally subverts your expectations. Like it in mm -hmm. itself is the con more than the cons that we expected to see. Yeah, like Ocean's Eleven, those type of heist movies, it's almost like, what's that word? It's like competence porn, right? It's just like, they're so <laughs> good at it. You yeah. just want to enjoy them executing it perfectly and with such precision and everybody falling into place, right? It's like, but this is totally not that. Well, I think that's the difference between like a con man movie and a heist movie. Like there's definitely cons in a heist movie because you have to like, especially with something like Ocean's Eleven, where you have to make certain people believe things for your heist to work. There right. is a con involved in it, but it's not really about the con. It's about if they get the score at the end, whereas I think a con man movie is about the characters and how they use themselves to do something different right i think it's I'm, i don't think i'm explaining that correctly because i think i've explained it exactly the same way but in my head they're very different things <laughs> no, no I, I agree i mean on like a heist movie is more like i mean it's like one big con but it's almost like a con i think is a confidence game right like you're trying to win the confidence of someone and then rip them off whereas the heist there may be a con involved along the way, but the heist is really kind of more just sneaking in and out and trying to find yeah, the way. Yeah, it's capitalism, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's like trying to, how, how do I beat the safe or how do I get through this room kind of thing? Exactly, exactly. Um, and and this movie really does, you know, gain my confidence and I'm like, here you go. And then the end happens. You're like, no, it's a, it's a whole thing. I know. I didn't even know how I felt about the ending because I felt so. It's such a. It's such a funny way. Like, it, yeah. I mean, it, it makes sense when you watch it as a whole, but it's sort of disappointing in the moment for some yeah. reason. Here's the thing that's interesting about movies like this because it's like basically it's a black comedy and it's anti heroes, right? Like, you know, Nicolas Cage is not really a good person. Like, that's a, that's one of the jokes. Like, you're not a bad person, but you're not really a very good one. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And it's true, right? And so. I mean, when he says, you know, I don't feel good about my job. Like, I'm, I'm a con man and I'm preying on the, the poor, the fat, the weak, the people that I can swindle. And, you know, you know, he knows that he's wrecking all these people's lives and he feels, 
he has a bit of a conscience about it, a bit, yeah. right? But because he's but he's not stopping is the is what the no, real he's problem. He's not stopping, and so at the end, which I guess I don't know if we we don't want to talk about the end, but I mean, what happens to him at the end? It's a bit of a comeuppance, right? Because it's sort of like it's happened to him, and then um, you know it, it's hard to know how how bad you should feel about him because it was ill gotten anyway. So we, but the very very end of this movie. I liked so much because it's kind of a happy ending at the very, very end, right? It like, is, yes. Like basically, are we talking about the ending or are we trying to? Yeah, no, we can, we can talk. I just didn't want to get to it too fast. You know what I mean? I know, we can talk I, about the ending. It's fine. Well, I won't even talk about the twist yet, but I mean, but the very ending and anything could have happened to bring him to this point, but the very ending where he basically gets out of the whole con man game and he's an honest man and he has, you know, maybe a shitty job, but um he seems fine with it but i love that he seems genuinely happy and at the end he's with this new woman that they showed through the whole thing who also has an honest job and she's pregnant and it was clear through the movie that he really really enjoyed being a dad right like that was something that that he wouldn't have realized had this other thing not happened right like Mm -hmm. it was sort of thrust upon him and then with this daughter sort of showing up out of the blue and then he did really realize he really loves being a dad and wanted to be a dad and everything and so i feel like it's very happy ending for him because he's uh, he's an honest man and he he seems genuinely happy at the end and he's getting the life he wants. Well, I actually think that is part of it, but I also think um, because he has OCD throughout the whole movie and like intense like ticks and all that kind of stuff. And Tourette's almost. Tourette's, like. Yeah. And um, at the end of the movie, that's all gone essentially. Yeah. And I think yeah. the big reason for that is because I think the daughter coming into his life allowed him to realize he needed to be himself or be able to be himself around somebody. And as a con man who lives alone because of tragedy that happened before with his, his ex-wife or whatever, which doesn't, the movie doesn't really get into. You just know they fought a lot and they separated. That's all, you know, but he needed that companionship to be himself and at the end, yes, when you see that he's happy now and he's got this woman in his life who's pregnant because he figured out, like, he's like, I could be a dad. I could be a good dad. But yeah. also he has somebody he can be himself around, especially now that he has, like, a regular job. And a it's, regular job, yeah. Yeah, and but it's a sales position. So essentially he gets to use all his skills that he learned as yeah. a con artist well, in, in a, yeah. like I, a legitimate way. Exactly. No, I agree. Didn't mention interrupt, but, like, yeah, even in that one scene where you sort of see him doing his job, like he seems pretty happy about it, right? Like his boss seems to like him and he's eager to get up and start talking to the customer or whatever until, you know, he finds out who the customer's with. But I mean, up until that point, like you can see that he's actually probably pretty good at the job. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and, and just to follow your point about how all of his symptoms, like the Tourette stuff and the OCD are gone. I mean, the one thing that, that you know, pseudo therapist um did do for him is like said you know i gave you a placebo you don't even need it like that was actually true right he said sure it's not actually a condition it's more your conscience so inadvertently that guy actually gave him good advice and yeah the funny thing about that is that at the end you realize he was giving him the placebo because he wasn't a real doctor so he couldn't prescribe him anything but also giving him the placebo oh actually helps like the the like the science behind placebos is a big deal like people know placebos can work and so it did work for him 
It did. I mean, it did. So yeah, it really like, as you said, inadvertently, they helped him. They, I mean, they took a lot of his money, but they helped him a great deal with the rest of his life. They did. And like, Mm. it's kind of a strange long con to do, but I mean, I kind of loved when you think about it, like, you know, he puts in, he puts the therapist there just to mine him for secrets. And then he uses that, that family secret to try to create this, this con or whatever. Right. It, it seems like a lot, but I mean, it's interesting because it actually, yeah, it actually does help him work through his problems and it actually solves his, his life ennui in the end. Yes. All. My one question about this whole thing is that, so one of the, the, the things that triggers this long con is the fact that his therapist disappears right um or the 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 random man who prescribes him pills right. disappears i don't think he was a therapist he was just like a guy giving him drugs illegally essentially yeah. yeah my question is did his partner get rid of that man or was that man part of the long con he was like hey that. disappear for a bit stop giving him pills so we can start this or did he just like take him out and was like boom, we can start now. You know what? That's an excellent question because it was kind of suddenly, mysteriously, the guy disappeared and then Nicolas Cage is frantic and then Frank has the solution. Well, you know what? I got a guy, Yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So, you know what? I mean, either way that works, right? whether it's a coincidence, but it does sort of make sense given how much planning Frank put into this whole time. Yeah, maybe he did take him out. Maybe that's right. When I was watching this, I kept thinking that was a bit directionless, right? Because at the beginning, I was like, where are the cons? Where are the cons? And and then I was like, is this a character study? And then when it got to the, the daughter being introduced, and then he's spending time with this 14-year-old girl, and that I kind of thought they wasted so much time bringing before bringing the daughter in, because I felt like there was quite a long time before she showed up. And so part of my thought process when I'm watching this, I enjoyed watching it and everything. I thought, you know, this movie maybe could have been edited more or maybe it was I just thought you know it doesn't seem to know where it's going but then of course when we find out the daughter is fake the entire movie is a big con and this whole heartwarming middle section is all part of this huge con it totally makes sense right so I I feel like uh I really enjoyed it even after the fact knowing how I was sort of played by the movie just sort of thinking about my reactions the way it was put together I think it's yeah, like I said, I think the movie cons the viewer yeah. is essentially yeah. what it is. The movie is a huge long con, yeah. Yeah, it, it really is. And it's true, like, but I think part of, I think it is also partially a character study, especially with Nick, Nicolas Cage's character, is yeah. that, like, like, they take so long to get to the daughter because they have to show how bad his neuroses is, which they yeah. do. Yes. Um, and they spend, but they also have to show what he's been doing as a con man as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, no, so they, yeah, yeah. So they show us like one full small con essentially at the beginning. Then they show us all his neuroses, and then the daughter shows up. So you've got like a good half an hour, forty minutes before the daughter even comes into yeah. play. Yeah. And I, I thought, you know, if the daughter's going to be a big deal, it takes so long, and then when she shows up all the cons are sort of on the back burner for a little while as we kind of spend time with the daughter. Yeah. So, but in retrospect, it's very well constructed. And I also thought it was interesting because I watched these movies quite close together and uh, they're both kind of about mental illness in a way. They <laughs> are. Leader, yeah. 
both lead characters are afflicted by a very obvious sort of mental illness or condition, as Guy Pierce likes to say. And I thought that, that was interesting too, because it was like yeah. just watching them together. Well, and, and also in both situations, people don't take their mental problems seriously. They essentially treat them like a joke or that they're lying or they can get over or, it. Or know? no, I, I don't agree that they don't take it seriously. I would say in both cases, the people around them take advantage of their condition yeah. to get what they want, right? So mm-hmm. in, in Memento, the other two characters basically use him like a weapon. Yes. And and in Matchstick Men, um, he uses his condition to get him a therapist and get him on pills. And, and basically, that's how he uses his condition to find the information to screw him over. Correct. Yes. Uh, agreed. Agreed. Yes. All yes. right. They take advantage. We'll go that way. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah. So I thought that was a really interesting inadvertent pairing, which I find also like when we do episodes like this, it's always interesting to find the overlaps. Like, Movies that might look like they have nothing to do with each other actually are quite similar. They have quite a bit um, to do with each other, yeah. And this one was more obvious than like the Mean Girls one were. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we did. We did have to like climb over a little bit of hill to get the connection there, but we made it here. We made it. This one was pretty easy. We're just like, oh yeah. look, we can see it. It's fine. Yes, it's both. There's both. There, both of these movies have white male anti-heroes both struggling with a mental condition and both basically really not able to trust any of the people that are around them like the people that they trust as friends correct yes yeah um well especially well that's the thing with matchstick men especially is a sam rockwell who should have received all of the awards by now but hasn't received any awards which annoys me i think he's not in this movie enough but the parts where he is in, he does such a perfect job. And, but him as like his protege slash partner slash best friend who is like, no, you taught me too well. Guess who's going to get conned now? And you're just yeah. like, what? This I is know. crazy. This is crazy. You know, hey, let's, let's talk a bit about Sam Rockwell now since you brought him up. Because I was like, I love him. I love Sam Rockwell. I think he's one of the most interesting actors because he, I find him very attractive, but he's not attractive in that normal conventional way. He's kind of weaselly. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's a certain way to look at him where he does look kind of like a blandly handsome kind of white guy, but I feel like there's more character to his face and he, the way he's like, he's a good dancer, but the way he stands, the way he holds his body, the way he dresses, like, I feel like, there's almost a through line in almost all of his roles. Like, so he must have something to do with his wardrobe. Like, yeah. you know, like his kind of the way he, that sort of louch, loungy kind of way he dresses sometimes. He's, I find him, like, I think if I've never heard him speak or never heard him or heard of him or seen him do anything, if I saw him on the street, I would have been like, ew. But the thing is, he is very charming. So as soon as he starts to talk and he starts to move, you're just like, Oh, I get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. and, I like this. You know, and it's not even just talking. It's just the way I think the way he moves because he is such a good dancer. Like they, you know, like Charlie's Angels, and there's a bunch of movies where he dances, and yeah. like everybody likes that. But even I mean, in like Moon and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like they they always try to find a way to make him dance. Um, but I just think he's very good with his body in terms of, you know, 
projecting and, and making him like, I just think he's a very interesting presence. Like he doesn't look like a normal person when you watch him for a while, like the way he holds himself. Well, I mean, I've seen a lot of his filmography and one of the strangest ones is Gentleman Broncos. And it's not a movie a lot of people have seen, but it's a movie that a lot of people should see. Okay. Um, I'll I'll tell you, Gentleman Broncos. And I'll tell you the quick premise. It's about this kid who writes these weird sci-fi like novels and he goes to this like sci-fi writing convention um, and he gives this book that he's written to his like mentor and like this person he loves who's a writer. And essentially that author steals his story. Now, the reason why Sam Rockwell's in it is because throughout the movie, they read slash show you sections of the book, right? And he plays the hero in the book. And it is so you see the version that the kid wrote and then you see the version that the author like updated and sold as being his. Um, So you see like the different visions of the two sides and all that kind of stuff. And it's such it's so like it's so weird. I'm going to tell you it's so weird. Okay, I'm going to tell you that right now. I love weird. Sam Rockwell playing this weird hero who's trying to get the testicles of aliens to impregnate something. It's like, it's, it's fantastic. He does a fantastic job in both sides because on one side, it's like, it's like they're dirty and they're gross and, you know, all their clothes are ripped and everything's gooey and sticky for some reason. But then on the other side, everybody's like flamboyant and everything's covered in pink and bright colors. And, you know, they're riding unicorns and stuff. And you're just like, what the, what? But it is an amazing film and people need to watch it. You should, you will enjoy it. I will tell you that. I feel like I will. I feel like, and it sounds like a good role for him because he's he's good at weird. Yeah, like when he played, um, I'm going to forget the weird name of the character, Zaphoid Beetlebox or whatever, uh, from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Um, The intergalactic guy who's got like two heads and stuff. yeah. Yeah. He was such a, he was so perfect for that character, like on screen, like so, so perfect for it. Um, what else? I loved him in Moon, which was literally just him on screen the whole time. Um, I think he did. I was just trying, yeah, Moon was really cool too, but I think he did win an Oscar for, I'm just, for yeah, he won it for three billboards outside. Oh, did he? I didn't see that movie. I really should get to wa- around to watching that one. Yeah, I mean, he's pretty hateful in that movie. I have a problem with that movie. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) We can talk about that another time, but uh, I'm glad he got an Oscar because he does deserve it. Okay, so so quick, quick little blurb. Why do you hate that movie? Because it's another movie about racism and it's like, I don't know. I feel like it's... I feel like Sam Rockwell's character gets an undeserved redemption. Ah, that's okay. basically it. That's basically okay. it. I understand that completely. There are yeah. so many movies out there where like the bad guy is a bad guy. And at the end, they're just like, I forgive you. And you're like, why? Why? He's horrible yeah. still. Like, what is wrong yeah. with you? That is this movie. And it's just because I think there's affection for Sam Rockwell. Like you cast something like that and people who like him kind of want to like him, even though he's so... And they give him a horrible mother, so you feel bad for him. Like, it's the standard thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's a terrible person, and then you kind of 
try to redeem them by saying, but they had a terrible upbringing. And that doesn't matter to me, right? Like, I mean, it matters if you're doing a whole character study, but I just, I don't know. Some redemptions aren't earned. Yeah, I'm going to bring up a person who's controversial right now, but this is why I love the movie. We need to talk about Kevin because it's so good. You might hate it now because of who's in it, but it's so good because it's about this kid who's uh, shoots up his school, but oh. it shows his upbringing, right? And his home, his family at home is a loving, wonderful family. Wonderful. He doesn't get redemption at the end. Nothing. I like, he's like, I was born bad and I'm bad. I'm like, and you're in jail now. Gotcha. Okay. And I was like, they didn't, yeah, yeah, like they weren't like, oh, the reason why they're doing this is because their mom abused them or they were left in a dumpster. But they didn't give them reasons. They're like, no, sometimes people are just born this way. Like they're Some just people are just evil. Some yeah. People are just evil. Yeah. And, you know, and that's one of the reasons why, A, I will never watch that movie again because it is disturbing. Dark. And it's so dark. Like, it's it's so dark. Um, but it is excellent in every way. But, okay. I, but yes. yeah, I mean, we, we shouldn't get too far afield. But yes, I, I agree. Yes, saw, we have to go back. I, but I just saw a movie today, which is. I guess a lot of horror movies are like that, but I just saw Pearl today, that okay. movie by the US, mm -hmm. and it's very much that, right? It's like exploring this woman, like she's a girl and it's in the twenties and it just comes out that she's just an evil person, but like she has hopes and dreams. She wants to be a dancer. She has people that are nice to her. She has friends, but she is, but it just turns out like she's a psychopath and yeah. there's no real reason. But. I saw the trailer for that one. I went to go see Barbarian, which is, I hate my friends for taking me to see this, but it is a proper horror movie and you spend 90% of the movie just gripping your chair and nothing's happening. Right. Like nothing is happening, but you're just like, oh my God, this is so intense. But I kind of love that. I feel yeah. like, okay, we, we should have another conversation about horror we're movies. Way up, like, we're way up. Yes, we're way up. We're going to go. Of them this year and they were all like, I, yeah, but let's not talk about them. Let's talk about our movie. So. Yeah. So Matchstick Men loved it, apparently. It was good. I did. I, did. But I, I, I actually was so I was paying attention to the credits and I did not know Hans Zimmer did the music or the director was Ridley Scott. I don't know why I've never noticed this before. When I saw the credit come up that Ridley Scott I was like, Ridley Scott. And then I also saw Robert Zemeckis is like executive, executive producer. producer. I'm like, mm -hmm. how have I never watched this before? Like, there's a lot of people in this movie. Like, yeah. Movie. yeah yeah and i was like oh maybe this is why it's good you know yeah. i'm not saying unknown like unknown directors and stuff don't make good movies i'm just saying these not people really are known for making stuff movies. but uh, yeah. yeah but no this was a good movie and i think uh yeah they definitely were given the space to make the movie they wanted and it definitely had that like a bit of that catch me if you can vibe to it you know that kind of like Breezy kind of. Yeah. yeah you know that. Well, because they were also, I, where, where did this take place? It was like California or something, right? Nevada or something. Okay. Like there was a Nevada uh, license plate. Maybe that was an out of town car. I don't know. I don't know. It well, it was somewhere bright and sunny and it was yes. just beautiful all the time. And they're all just yeah. like, you know, running outside and doing their stuff, not worrying about anything. And I was like, okay, that's, this is fine. Yeah. And like Nicolas Cage's character was always like until the end, it was very cool and collected. And Tim Rockwell was very cool. And like they had a lot of jazz, like Sinatra type music going. Right, yeah. So it did remind me of like something like Ocean's Eleven at that point, too, right? Because it was very 
rat packy jazzy kind of and yeah. Mad Men, even though Mad Men is not a heist or a con thing, but that aesthetic, mm. right? Yeah, like well, even like especially with the opening sequence where they were doing like the little shots and like the names were like sliding in from the side and sort of like dancing with the music yeah. too, like that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I, I have to admit, I always love like a good credit sequence. Same. As, yes, especially especially if it's completely separate. Like it's cool yeah. when it's built in, but when it's separate and just some, does something really cool, you're just like, this is great. It's its own little art piece. It's its own little piece of art. <laughs> Repeat myself yeah. um, at the beginning, but I, I love like animated ones, like that. You know what is it? Anatomy of a Murder or whatever. Like some mm -hmm. of the classic animated ones from the old time, like the sixties and seventies. Yeah, yeah. And even like Catch Me, like Catch Me If You Can had a fun opening credit mm -hmm. sequence or also um this it wasn't was the best movie but um a girl with the dragon tattoo had a really good opening sequence yeah. and also the seven first did. seven had a really good opening oh sequence. seven has a really good one yes that is correct uh also the first kingsman movie that opening sequence is killer i know it's a oh, weird yeah. one to pick up but it's a really good one I don't even, I, you know, maybe I'll need to revisit it. I've watched the Kingsman movies. I just don't remember very well. Yeah, it's got like, a, it's got a cold opening. Then it does the opening sequence. But then also the end of the opening sequence goes into the story directly into it as well. And it's just, it's just, it's just done very, very well. Is That's all I'm saying. Um, and then of course, there's like just James Bond movies, which I just yeah, love. James Bond are classic. Except, yeah. uh, sorry, except for the Madonna one. That one was really bad. When they were I'm, fencing and stuff, I can do it. I, I can do it. I don't. I don't remember it. I I like the song. I don't remember the opening. I don't remember. Um. Okay. I'm just gonna throw in one opening sequence from a TV show that I think is really cute. Have you Have you watched the show Severance? Yes, I have. Well, I've I only watched one episode. I've only watched one episode. Never mind. Oh my god, it's so good. That show is so good. You need to watch the whole thing. Yeah. No, I literally. Just the other day, I got access to watching it, and I sat down and watched the first episode. And I really liked the first episode. Don't get me wrong; it was just very heavy, and I just needed like a day or two. And okay. I'm going to go back to it. I am going to watch the whole thing. I, based on the first one, I think I'm going to watch the whole thing. I think it's a pretty incredible series. Yeah, I think um, Apple TV is finally putting out things that people want to watch, which is good. Yeah. Um, it's just you know, I don't have access to most of it, so I haven't watched a lot of it. Like, I haven't even watched the football one. I don't know. Ted Lasso? Ted Lasso, yes. I like Apple Plus, but I mean, I, I think the content stuff that they're doing now is, like, they have some really good shows, but there's not enough content on there. Like, I feel like it's the emptiest platform. Yeah, they because they're not buying more stuff to put on there. They're making all of their stuff, so it's yeah. going to take a little while for their things to, like, build up. Um, whereas most other platforms base were based on things that already existed and then they added to it, but yeah. we're having the same, like they always said streaming was going to be different. It's not going to be like cable where you got to buy packages and to get all the different things it's turned <laughs> into cable. It's turned yeah. into cable. That's it. It, kind so, of is. it really yeah. is. So back to the movie. So how old was Alison Lohman when she was in this movie? Cause she was. 24 she was 24 yes. okay well because one of my first notes was she doesn't look 14 and as the movie like and i looked up her age she was 24 and i was like is that why, why part of the heist thing 
And then throughout the whole movie, again, because it took so long, I was like, no, maybe she is supposed to be 14 in the movie. And that's then, of funny. course, you get to the end. But yeah, no, yeah. she was 24. Yeah. Okay. So that's interesting. Because like, I, I did not know how old she was. And so I bought that she was 14. Like, I can't really tell how old people are. But I'm mm-hmm. also like, my 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 age radar is off because I, I watch shows like Riverdale and Pretty Little Liars. I watch all <laughs> of the teen shows where yes. everybody on those shows is played by people in their 20s right. and they're all supposed to be in high school. So yeah. that whole age inappropriate casting is kind of, I'm, I'm immune to it now. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, because you have to so accept it to go along with the, what's yeah. being shown in front of you is part of it. I accept it so much that I didn't blink when I saw her. I just yeah. thought, I, but I did wonder at the end because she obviously was looking a lot older at the end. So, but that's, I thought it was pretty good casting though. I mean, she has a very slight build, which, you know. Helps. Yes. Helps. Yeah. 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 And she wore a lot of like looser tops and like looser yeah. outfits when she was being the the young 14 year old. So then as soon as you saw her as like the adult, you, she's still wearing form fitting and has like a full face of makeup and different hair. And you're just like, oh, you're an adult. Okay. But it's funny too because it means that even in the world of the show, that character is a really good actress. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it made it made a person who looks for cons not pay attention to a con. Like it didn't trigger anything in his head. But like yeah. something's wrong here. Yeah. But also, it might be because he's not a, used to being around fourteen-year-old girls, and he's like, "Well, I guess this is how they act," <laughs> you know. So how did you feel about the way he forgave her at the end? I honestly don't think he should have forgave her. Um, I honestly would have just been like, yeah, she stole all my money, by the way. You know, I mean, you can't have if it was if it was like if Nick Cage was a woman, she probably would have hit her. Yeah. But, you know, it's like you stupid bitch. Oh, my God. You took all my stuff. Um, but I think one of the reasons why he kind of forgave her was a he was in a good place in his life, and b she was like, "Well, he screwed me out of all of the money too. Like Frank screwed her out of all the money too. I didn't get Not anything. All of it. I didn't get her fair share. Her but fair she... share. Yeah. But I mean, I feel like yeah, it went really sentimental towards the end. So you know, I yeah, I don't know. I I do kind of feel like he should have given her a bit of a harder time. But I get that they wanted to end on a kind of she still calls him dad and she he seems to like it like mm-hmm. i feel like you know i guess they're trying to establish that even though the entire time she was conning him pretending to be his daughter they did like each other yeah and i think it's to that in his mind she's his daughter still because that's how he knew her that's how he met her that's how he she came into his life um, and he didn't want to know her real name yeah no cuz then it would it would change things right it would change I think also, I think it would make him angry. Like, I think that anger would hit him. He's like, you know, you're like, no, my real name is Margaret. You'd be like, oh, fucking Margaret. You know, like, I think it's yeah. slightly different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, that part was like, he he was deliberately wanting to hold on to he, when he's like, I already know your name. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, you're right. Bye, dad. So they were choosing to stay in their roles. But yeah. But I also think that helps him stay out of the life that he was in before, because I think him trying to take revenge or him trying to find Frank or him doing something to her would just bring him back into that space. And he doesn't want any part of it. That's a good point. Yeah, because I wondered, is like, 
usually in these kind of con man, like one cons one and one cons the other, and they're always sort of one up in each other. Yeah. Um, so as soon as he finds out, I was thinking, what's he going to do? Like, is he going to, and then, and then they didn't. And then when it was like one year later, he's just a different man. It's, it's, I think that was a nice way to end it for him. So he yes. was out. So he was out. Yeah. I think they like, I mean, essentially this is sort of like dirty rotten scoundrels. If you think about it, you know, um, you know, one con, they think it's one con happening, but the chick's got the con that's way higher than whatever they're doing yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think it works. It's just, you know, I think as you spend time with the characters in the movie and you see how much he's grown and changed and he, you know, except for when he loses his money, he's he's already getting less angry and he's already getting less, yeah, has less ticks and, and all this kind of stuff. Um, but he really loses his mind when he thinks his daughter is in danger, but then he realizes she doesn't even exist. That's yeah. when he's just like, I give up. That's yeah. I'm done. I'm done with all of this nonsense. Because I think also, too, it's him realizing what he's been doing to other people. And he's like, this doesn't yeah. feel good. I don't I don't think I like this. And yeah, I think I'm gonna that go. was the part, too, because like when he says, you know, I don't feel good about what I do. And she goes, why do you still do it? I feel like he kind of lets it go because like at the end of the day, none of that movie, no, sorry, none of that money was really his, right? All, every cent of that money he stole from someone else. So exactly the fact that they stole from him, it's kind of poetic justice. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it allows, it allows him to, to sort of actually, I think, earn his redemption, right? Because then he just goes legit. He gets a real job. He has a real girlfriend and they're not coasting on his money that he stole from people. Like he really had to start from scratch. Yeah. I think if he's still like, he was able to keep some of the money except for like the little token that Frank left him. I think he would still be a nervous wreck to be honest, yeah. because I think he would still be like, he'd be worried about it running out and he'd be worried about people coming back for it. He'd be worried about like where he put it and how we hit it and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, so I think it's, I think it makes sense that all of the money is gone um, compared to him having like, you know, sometimes you're like, oh, I have another secret stash somewhere just in case. Yeah. Like, that's not how this went. It was a reboot of his life. So he yeah. basically started from nothing. He got together with a nice checkout lady mm -hmm. and they're building a life. They're building a life together and it's it's sweet and it's nice. And it's yeah. not, it's it, as you said, it's a restart. It's not really a redemption, but it's a restart. It's allowing him to sort of become that better person that he wants to be or thinks he is. Yeah. Um, and, you know, try again. Yeah. Uh, whereas I think the other, like, my other question, too, is like, of course, Frank is in the wind with a bunch of money and blah, blah, blah. He's a bad guy. Sure. But with when he asks, um, what's the daughter's name again? Al Angela. Is it Angela? Angela? Okay. Uh, when, when Angela, uh, he, he meets her again at the end and he's like, are you caught him? She's like, no, I like him. Do you believe her? Do you, do you think that's well, what's going I mean on? I don't know because he didn't look like he has any money. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, we we will. We'll, I guess we'll never know because the movie's over. Um, and maybe she's like such a good con artist that she's going to keep doing it. So we won't know. But I mean, he doesn't know. Like maybe that's another good reason why he doesn't really want to know her. 
Yes. Yeah. He doesn't want to follow her, track her, yeah. find out what she's actually doing or anything. Yeah. Just leave her to her own devices because I'm out of it. Which I think we should switch over to Memento because I feel like, um, unless you have more you want to talk about, Nash segment. No, not really. I mean, like, uh, like I find both of these movies were done in such a way that it was very hard for me to take notes on them, except for like a lot of high level things throughout them. And like, it was things like, you know, remember the early 2000s where you could still smoke indoors. It was driving me fucking crazy throughout the whole movie because he was smoking everywhere. Like that was everywhere. my note too. Lots of smoking because so like you smoking. could not notice the smoking. There were close-ups of the cigarettes being lit. Yeah, and close-ups of the smoke going around and everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, and yeah. it was just I was just like, oh, you're walking into a building and you took out a cigarette and lit it. What? No, <laughs> that's not how you do that. You know. Um, and my other, well, I have a few notes, but I think we've talked about most of it. Um, but one, we didn't, uh, my thing about a lot of movies when people are giving someone a number and stuff and they write on the palm of someone's hand drives me fucking nuts because that's the worst place to write a number or something immediately, immediately. Um, and I do have one complaint about like how they structured the story is the fact that, like, I know he thinks Angela's his daughter, but he go- takes her to the bank one time, right? And it's like, they've known each other, what, a week or something? Yeah. And then he's like, oh, I'll give her signing authority on the account. And you're just yeah, like, I, no. I, I agree. That didn't make no. any sense. I, when he did that, you're right. When he did that, I thought maybe that was some part of a, a con of some kind, but I couldn't figure out how or why. Yeah, I, I, I could not. I, I thought he must have some plan that, like, he's going to use that in some con. But it turns out it's just sentimental, and that made no sense. You're right, but yeah, it, they needed to have that happen. Otherwise, the the whole thing doesn't work. Exactly. Um, but it just yeah. even if he's he's a con man, and even if he's trusting someone. I would think he would wait much longer to give that kind of access to something that's that important to him. You know what I mean? That is where what makes sense from a character development point of view doesn't mesh with what the plot demands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because, I, yeah. <laughs> um, they could probably find a more elegant way to do it. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, that kind of, I bumped against that as well because it didn't make any sense when I realized that there was no other reason for him to do that other than he feels guilty and then she's his daughter. But it's like, yeah. I mean, I guess you could justify it by he has no one in his life and now he thinks he has a daughter. But even then, you wouldn't do that, right? No. This is your life savings. You're not going to hand it to a 14-year-old girl who yes. you don't even trust enough to go to an arcade one night or whatever without freaking out. Like, it makes no sense. Exactly. Well, my my only thing I was thinking that maybe they did it this way because so the timeline of the movie to me seems to be only like a couple of weeks like two to three weeks or so whereas I think possibly in the book maybe it was a lot longer Um, and because of the time constraints of the movie and the pacing of it they sort of condensed it you know what I mean like because they do that all the time where some books is like no the book takes place over like 10 years you know, but the movie takes place over 10 days and you're just like, oh, but that also breaks some of the dynamics of of how and why certain parts of what's going on happens. Yeah. 
that that is my only way to get around it i think yeah i agree i mean there's a certain suspension of disbelief that you have to to use but yeah sometimes things don't work as well as they should but there's so many pieces that work well i feel like you can look you can definitely overlook it you can overlook it yeah yeah um yeah so so memento what were you trying to get at well with memento i mean it's just because i the more we talk about magic man the more it really does feel like there's so many parallels right because we also so in Matchstick Men, because like, well, like we said, the movie's a con, like we don't know the real motivations of Nicolas Cage's friend and daughter. Like it turns out they're both criminals that are working to um, rip him off. And he doesn't know that. And we also don't know, that, don't know that. And I feel like it's a similar vibe with Memento, but it's more overt about it, right? Because Memento knows that we don't know what's going on, right? Whereas Matchstick Men tries to present that you do know what's going on, this is his friend, this is his daughter, like they're trying to trick us. Whereas Memento, what I like about it so much is just, you never know what's going on. And we only really know what um, Guy Pierce knows, right? Like mm-hmm. every scene that we watch and then he writes some something down. Um, so we don't know who Teddy is. We don't know if we can trust Teddy. We don't know who Carrie Ann Moss is. We don't know if we can trust her. Natalie, we pretty yeah. much know we can't trust them. Yeah. Um, but I mean, what, what, I, what I found really interesting is just that, like, you know, I wanted to trust them, right? I want, as a, as a viewer, you kind of just want someone in his life that he can trust. And you kind of, I, I kind of liked that, you know, Teddy's manner with him was like, they're friends. It's sort of fun, right? Like, you know, I kind of wanted to trust Teddy. Um, and Carrie Ann Moss, just because she's an edgy actor in a lot of things, like, you know, it's, it's sort of the same. Anyway, I mean, my point is just sort of bringing the two movies together that there's a man and a woman in both movies that are surrounding the lead who has a condition and cannot tell what their true motivations are. And they in both advantage. movies, they both take advantage of them. And in both, they're, they're definitely lying to them, lying mm-hmm. to the main character and lying to get what they want. Yes, and that's very true. And I think with Memento, because of the way the story unfolds, because as you know, backwards. the full gimmick, it's yeah. backwards. Um, Nolan clearly has enjoys playing with time. Um, that, you know, like you, you can't understand the whole story unless you watch the whole movie. Yeah. Because it does, it, wherever you stop it and you think like, oh, I know what the story is, no. you don't. Um, and that is a testament to how it's written and how they cut it into pieces. Um, And it makes it still intriguing to this day when you have a look at it, even even if you've watched it a few times already. And like, you know where it's going, but you spend all of your time looking at the scenes, trying to put together like the pieces of it and be like, where were the hints? Where were the clues? Where were the other things that were part of this? Well, I, I mean, it's been so long for me to watch it. Like I, I couldn't remember, right. I couldn't remember the ending. Like I couldn't remember everything that happened. So it was just, I just, I really enjoyed the whole process of watching again because it is a challenging movie to watch. Like it's a very active watching kind of experience. You cannot just relax, go to the bathroom, um, do your fold your laundry and keep half an eye on the screen. Like you kind of really have to pay attention because every single scene 
there's like, because it's backwards, but like, we don't know what happened before. Every single scene, there's some element there. And then when you go backwards, you find out maybe one of those elements. And then there's another mystery in that scene about how did that get there? How, and sometimes they're funny and sometimes they're, they're really, tragic. they're tragic. And it's just, I just thought it was like, the whole movie is scene by scene, a puzzle and putting it together. And I love that it's, it's already challenging just because it's the backward structure. Like every scene is backwards. It's like starts at the end and then it keeps going backwards. But I love that it doesn't even stop there. There's this totally other timeline in black and white that seems to be going forwards at the same time. And at some point they're going to collide, but it's just like, when you're watching it, it's already enough of a mind fuck that you're trying to piece together all these backward scenes. And then suddenly you've got this black and white footage and you don't even know where it fits in the timeline. Like there's so much challenging, there's so much challenging, uh, it's such a challenging movie to watch. There's so many challenging pieces to put together. I think it's really, really interesting. And I, I like the way it's played for humor as well as suspense. Like I like the scene where Karen Moss is in the bar and he's drinking and then the guy on the bar laughs. And then before he takes another drink, she stops him. And then, and then the scene before you see that they all horked in it. She's just testing him. I think that's hilarious. And yeah. I love the scene. Sorry, I keep talking about this. I really like this movie, but I like the scene where it starts with him in the bathroom and he's, he's it just cuts to me sitting on a toilet holding a bottle of vodka or something and he goes i don't feel drunk because he's so confused <laughs> and then and then when you cut back to the other scene and the whole thing is he's planning to kill this man and he needs a weapon and he grabs a bottle and he goes to hide in the bathroom to hit the guy with the bottle but he's in there so long he forgets what he's doing there <laughs> and it's just like i don't feel drunk well and that's that. Yeah, and that's the thing at the beginning of every scene when they when he his mind resets essentially, you you're you as a viewer are also with him trying to figure out like how did he get there? Like exactly. what is he exactly. doing here? Like this is so weird. But what's really funny in that same scene is that you know he thinks he's in the bathroom to take a shower and he just gets naked and takes a shower and then ends up in a yeah. fight and you're just like wait what what is I know. what <laughs> he's trying to pick up you're right but i love that because he 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 can only do what makes sense to him in that moment because he has no idea why he's there mm -hmm. i love yeah. that scene too where he's it cuts to him he's he's sort of jogging into the yard because what am i doing <laughs> and it's like <laughs> Oh, I'm chasing this guy, and then he shoots out. No, he's chasing me, and it's like <laughs> Runs the other way. real time as he's running. <laughs> what am I doing? I thought that was so funny. Like it was great. Yeah. I love that you were able to milk humor. Like I think genuine laughs mm. out of the scenario that is otherwise very tragic. It is very tragic. It's very sad. It's like fifty first dates, except serious. You know, it's like yeah. that whole thing. Um, but again, another connection between Mastic Men and Memento is that everybody in this movie is a bad person, just like yes. in, in Matchstick Men. Like yeah. even, you know, even Leonard, uh, Guy Pierce's character, where, you know, at first you kind of feel sorry for him. He's trying to put this thing together. Um, I mean, the first scene of the movie is very shocking. Like they get you like immediately. Yeah. Um, but then he goes to the previous scene and then you're just like, Oh, so he's solving the murder of his dead wife. Gotcha. And then you feel sad for him. He's got this problem, blah, blah, blah. But then you get all the way to the beginning and you're just like, oh, you're also a bad person. Like, yes. oh my God. So yeah. you're like, you're like, everybody in this movie is bad, down to like the guy who runs the motel. Bad people. Like, they're I all know. bad. 
and it, and that's it, that's why it's sort of a bleak movie in many ways. But it's just it has so much style and it's it takes so many risks. I love that detail though of the motel owner being bad and ripping him off by renting him muscle rooms because he won't remember, and then just telling him. I yeah. think that's hilarious because he he won't remember anyway. In like, like a minute, yeah. Yeah, it's just such a funny thing. But I did find it very disturbing that you know Guy Pierce's character he's on the hunt for this guy that killed his wife. And it turns out he's killed tons of people that are called John G. And, you know, Teddy is probably, he's a really bad person. Like he's using, he's using uh, Guy Pierce as a weapon and planting all these seeds and helping him just so he can kill people. Like it's pretty obvious. So yeah, but the, the secondary plot. So did you feel like the plot was basically Carrie Ann Moss is dating Jimmy. Jimmy gets ripped off by Teddy. And then Teddy uses Guy Pierce to kill Jimmy. Mm-hmm. And so then Carrie Ann Moss realizes this. And then she uses Guy Pierce to now kill Teddy. So they both used Guy Pierce to kill someone. Yes. Yeah. And she did it as revenge and he did it just to steal the money. So did she do it as revenge or did she do it to also get Jimmy's money or? jimmy's drug stuff well it could go either way because she does call him her boyfriend but i guess she lies the entire time we're watching her but mm-hmm. i mean to me it felt like um yeah i guess it could be, go either way like who knows what her affection for jimmy is yeah like because she's clearly not a good person no she's um, not a good person like yeah <laughs> they're all but, bad yeah i think the bleakness in this is the is the fact that everybody in his world only sees a way to take advantage of him instead of helping or trying to do something good for him. Because even Teddy um, at the beginning, he's like, yeah, at first, you know, I helped you solve the case and you killed that guy. That was fine, but you kept coming back. So I was like, I'll use you for other stuff instead of sending him home or sending him to an institution. Like he should have. Um, I mean, he's very, but the, the, the other problem though is, like it, Guy Pierce is bad, but he's also kind of psycho, right? Because he wants to kill this guy so badly. Like, there's a lot of other ways you could deal and process that kind of emotion. Mm-hmm. But because of that extra piece, because he is trying to suppress the memory that he actually killed his wife because of his condition, um, that I think it's kind of put him over the edge. Like he cannot. So, like Teddy says, like he has meaning in his life. Like he feels he's got meaning as long as he's hunting for John G. Right. So, I mean, in that last scene, when Teddy tells him everything and he realizes now that he's already killed the guy that killed his wife and many others, and he's now just going around killing random people because it makes him feel better because it gives him some purpose in life. That's a pretty shitty purpose. And when he's told that he doesn't, he doesn't want to change it, right? Like he doesn't, like he could, when when faced with this information, he has a few minutes to make a decision like because he's going to forget everything. But instead of writing him a note that says, I've killed John G, which would stop everything, everything. right? He, he would just then be forced to start a new life. He just decides to target Teddy instead. And he knows that he's going to find, he will end up killing Teddy if he writes this note down. Yeah, and I think that's the part that makes him a bad person, whereas, like, you had a choice. You could have changed your whole life. You could have not been doing this, but instead you chose to lie to yourself because even 
throughout the movie, they talk about how memory lies to you. That's why notes are really important. Yeah. But I'm like, if you can't exactly but if you can't remember your intent or the reason for writing the note or the long you don't have time to write the long description of something like those notes are gonna send you in different directions and maybe not the right place the wrong place you don't remember what it actually means all this kind of stuff and you're just like well i it's me so i'm gonna follow it you know but very specifically he decided to weaponize himself to kill Teddy because he was mad at Teddy in the moment. Mm-hmm. And so he wrote himself a note and he gave himself the license plate. That's Teddy's license plate. That's tattooed on his body. Teddy. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, he basically is a murderer, right? Like he decided to kill Teddy in that yeah. moment. Yeah, well, so, but he also decided to, um, I think the reason why he did it is he wanted to sh- shift blame onto Teddy. Like he's like, yeah. no, I killed all these people because of this man. And yeah. this man kept all the secrets from me. So he's been lying to me this whole time. So I'm gonna write down that he's lying. And then I will have to remember this license plate to, to take him down. Cause I know now he's a John G. Yeah. I can take him out. Yeah. And that's like, what makes him a bad person. It does make him a and it will be inter- it would be interesting to know what he did after he killed Teddy, like the very first scene, like, like we, that's where it ends for us with him, with his story. Like he shoots Teddy and Teddy's dead. But um, what would happen when, if we were able to see 10 minutes in the future after he forgets why he killed Teddy and why he's standing there and there's this dead man in this, you know what I mean? Like in front of him. Would, yeah. he, would he keep sort of, would he keep the pictures that all the clues that he's used and in that moment realized that he killed the John G he was looking for because he tattooed that that specific license plate on his body, right? So that's one variable from all the other times. Like he never had a very, he didn't know who it was, but in this case, he tattooed the license plate on his body. So it is always gonna be Teddy's car. Yeah, and, and the thing is too is that he, like he made sure to drive his car there, not Teddy's car. So, and, but I know he does have like the, um, the Polaroid that says where he's staying and all that kind of stuff, but will he put those two things together? Will he go to the police for, you know, checking the license plate again? Will he go back to Natalie for some reason? Because he doesn't written down like where Natalie is or who she is or anything. He just says Natalie. He has the bar. Does he? But did he write down the bar? I don't remember him yeah, writing he, down the bar. He, he has the yeah, because a lot of the notes were on the coasters from the bar. Mm-hmm. So he can simply go to the bar because her name is on one. I think but, cause he, that because he did it. Oh yes, that's right. He, it's in his glove compartment, right? Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. But um, you know what? Like, we've seen him destroy things that he doesn't want to remember anymore. Right, like his wife's belongings and all that kind of thing. So it's probably stands to reason if he doesn't like that he killed Teddy, he'll probably burn all these pictures and he'll just start again and he'll find someone else to kill. Or he'll be like, "Oh, you know what? This this license plate is wrong," and get a different license plate. Who yeah, knows? He, but he is going to kill someone else because, given what Teddy said, like he's killed several people, mm-hmm. and even that picture. Look how happy you are, right? Like I think he's someone that likes to do it and he likes getting the revenge and that's the only thing he has to live for now. So he's basically a monster. But also based on the fact that he just, like he doesn't remember, like forget the fact that he willfully destroyed 
some stuff to to make sure that he keeps killing. That's a very bad thing. But yeah. but because he keeps forgetting in 10 minutes and all he can remember is the face of his wife, you know, being suffocated and blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, maybe the motivation for him killing in like a real sense is the fact that to him, he's never found this person and he's going to keep going because he'll never know about this person. And maybe he'll just get arrested one day for being a serial killer. Like that's it, you know, cause people are going to find bodies are going to be like, these people are missing all of these people. What do they have in common? JG. I guess at some point he's going to get arrested. Yeah. At some point he will be stopped, I guess. But Yeah. Um, let's talk about his acting though, because I feel like he's so beautiful in this movie and he's so good in this movie, but I love the choice that he makes. Like he's like covered in tattoos. He's on a mission to kill someone. Like he's pretty tough and rough, whatever, but I love his choice to talk in a super gentle, dulcet tone, like a very yeah. calm, relaxing tone. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, and, and, and also not always be super dour. Like when he goes, okay, I'll wait here. I'll be here. Like, like he, 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 I found it really interesting that he had a lightness to his character, even though it was very dark. And I think that helped the film a lot because, because the film is so bleak without his performance, like elevating sometimes with some of his the comedy and just the way he talked and everything. I feel like it would have been a lot more difficult to get through. But does that, I, I think that behavior has more to do with him not remembering what's going on than like, I mean, it was definitely, it definitely was a, maybe he was directed that way or it was an acting choice, but it, yeah. I think it was necessary for you to understand that he keeps forgetting because if he didn't have that tonal shift when he forgot, then you'd be like, well, then he's still angry, but he wouldn't know why he's angry. So why would he be yelling? No. You no, know, you have that kind of weird thing. Yeah. No, I'm, not, I'm not even really talking about him being angry all the time. It's just that his, I think it was like it could have been directed away, but I think it's like the acting choice that his normal sort of his normal speaking voice is very gentle, right? Yes. Like it's just this very calming kind of, well, I could do it. You need to have a system. I have a system. I use routine and like it's very, it's just, it's not aggressive, right? It's like mm-hmm. a very calm voice. And I find it, it's just a really interesting choice given how how driven his character is, right? Like, yeah. you know, I can see a lot of actors taking a much more intense voice or tone of voice, right? Mm-hmm. And I just think it's a really interesting choice the way he talks about it. And well, when he talks about Sammy Jenkins, like, I find that really interesting too, right? Because it's like, it's a horrible story. It, yeah. Um, but then he tells it in such a casual way. Like, it, it's so calm. It's almost, so sometimes it seems very nice and calm and sometimes it seems kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, he comes across as like manic but non-threatening, and I think it's that kind of behavior is very necessary for him to navigate the world because I think he is manic because he's trying to find this like this guy who killed his wife, and you know he's on a mission and he wants to do this. But I think if he knows if he comes across a little crazy, that people won't interact with him or or not not even crazy more along the lines of like uh non like if he comes across threatening in any way he won't get the help that he needs to finish what he's doing 
And so him being calm, him, you know, taking his deep breaths every once in a while, whatever, and wherever he is, helps him, puts him, it puts him in a place where he can interact with other people. And people talking to him will be like, you're weird, but I'm not scared of you. Yeah. Those and, he tells, and he tells all the people, I have this condition. I'm not going to remember you and everything. But he says it in a very light way. Like he's not traumatized by it or anything. Like he says it in a very matter of fact way. Mm-hmm. So that people. I, I do find it interesting that everybody's first like interaction with him is I'm going to test that this is real. Like, I, I just think it's really funny. Um, because I think even now, I think people would do that with the mindfulness, with like mental illness and all that kind of stuff to be like, mm, I don't believe you because it's, it's an invisible disability, right? But it's also so extreme, right? It is very like, extreme. That if I'm talking with you long enough, I'm going to forget that we even started talking. Or if, if you go away to the bathroom and come back 10 minutes later, I will forget that I ever met you. Like, that's a very extreme thing. I would want to test it too, because it seems crazy, right? It seems crazy. Yeah. But yeah, I actually think it's it, it's a very horrifying condition. So I thought that uh, the movie Fifty First Dates, I, I I just couldn't get into it because the whole thing is so awful. Like it's a, it's a romantic comedy, but you know, even at the end, she has to relearn who he is every single day, and he said all these notes. But it's always going to be that same day sequence. every day. Well, my thing about the end of that movie is when he comes out on the boat, they have a daughter. So imagine waking up and not you're nine months pregnant and you're just like, what is happening? Or like you wake up in the middle of the night because you've got contractions and you're just like, what is going on? You know, like, I think it's it is horrifying to me. Like, it's absolutely horrifying. Yeah, I did not find that a charming comedy because I kept thinking, this poor lady and this poor man, like their lives are going to be crappy. Like it just, it was trying to force a groundhog day using this as a difference instead of some fantastical, he's getting to date Andy McDowell every day because this weird supernatural repeating day syndrome or whatever. And they just found a way to do groundhog day again, but with this as a condition, but I feel like it doesn't feel the same because I like it's so tragic for her. Well, exactly. And I mean, I the first like two times I think I saw that movie because it was one of the early movies in my collection and I do own it. And I like the last time I watched it was for the podcast, which was like three years ago now. And I watched it that time and I was just like, this movie makes me really uncomfortable. I don't think it's funny. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, you know, it, it hit that, that point. Can she even really consent to everything if she doesn't remember? Well, even the part where, um, like, they're on the beach or something, and she says something about, like, oh, you know what? It's a great first kiss. And he was just like, well, I've kissed you, like, a hundred times. Can we do other things? And I was like, ew, no. Mm-mm. Like, it's yeah. it's not it's not good. It's just no. not good. I was just going to say, it made some money, but I just, I don't know if that movie would be made now. Oh no, I don't think it would be at all. No, and it's if, a mental illness thing, really, and it's like you know, I just don't think I don't know. Maybe it would, but it just seems like the or the wrong choice. Well, if it was made now, I think they would do the same thing they did with Overboard and switch the position so people think it's less mean and crazy. But right. um, but still, either way, whether it's a man or a woman who has the affliction, it's all horrible. Like yeah, you know. 
it's hard, and, it's hard. yeah and, and they show that in this movie as well with the whole Harry and Moss thing and how quickly she takes advantage of him and you yeah. know they do end up in bed together but at the same time you're just like is this just because she's like she's wants him on their side or is this because you know she can like what is what is her motivation for this because she's also taking advantage of someone in a sexual manner who can't really you know not defend themselves but can't really consent to what's going on and he doesn't know yeah like the context like it was a brilliant scene though when she comes in and she says oh my god i did what you told me to do he beat me up and we don't know if she's telling the truth. Like we suspect, but we don't know. And then to see it play out where she's so awful to him and to the point where he punches her and then she just waits in the car until he forgets. And then, and then she comes back back in. in. Yeah. And it's, yeah, yeah. It kind of like blows your mind that, you know, these people in like in (laughs) matchstick men, these people in the real world are such good actors that they can fool someone to this level. Yeah. yeah you know, exactly. uh, and one, so much that he, there's no writing utensils, like no pens, nothing. So he can't write it down. Well, that's the thing. Okay. So that's one thing I did notice because the scene where she walks in, where she's being an asshole to him and stuff, she puts her bag down on the table. And if you pay attention, she picks up all her pens and puts it in her bag. That's really cool, right? That's what she does, yeah. Yeah, because then he's like, because she knows he's going to want to write it down after she's such an asshole to him. And I love that he knows that he needs to write this down and he can't. And it's just like, it's like watching the last sort of help helper come, like float away from the uh, <laughs> from the island or whatever. Like, you know, it's just like, he, he knows he needs to write this down and he can't. And then he just ends up falling for it. Like Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not it's not his fault that he falls for it, but at the same time, you're just like, what are you even doing there? But then you go through the scenes before, and you're like, oh, that's what you're doing there. And you're just like, oh, yeah. my God. And it becomes so stressful for not just him, but for the audience, because you're just like, what are you doing? And then you get all the way to the beginning again, and you're like, oh, you're bad. Okay, never mind. But that's why <laughs> I love this movie, because you're kind of rooting from the whole time and you have no idea what's going on with him every time, but you kind of still know he's going to take care of himself just because you've seen his, you know, he survives to the end of the movie, which is mm-hmm. the beginning of the movie. So you're not really worried he's going to die. So there's that sort of, you're comfortable and you're with him and he's sort of charming in that weird way and everything. It's not until the very end that you kind of, of the movie that you realize he's a bad person as well. But even then the way he does it is like, like, you know, you lie to me you're a John G you could be my John G like it's very deliberate and it's yeah. it's kind of unsettling but I, I thought I just thought it was a good ending too like it was just an interesting I don't know how you would un- end that movie and I think they did a good job they did it they did a perfect job because they they wrapped up the loop that he yeah. was in in that section of his life yeah. right yeah yeah, and they did it in such a perfect way. And what's really funny about it is that he never wrote down or made a note anywhere that Teddy was a police officer or anything, no. even though he saw his wallet, he like had his wallet, he saw his ident- identification, he knows he's a cop, but he was still like, I'm going to ignore this. No. You're the bad guy. I'm no. not, you know, and I think, yeah, that willfulness is the thing that really like gets you at the end. And you're just like, 
oh, you're just doing this to yourself now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I still think it's Christopher Nolan's best movie because I like, think it is. Yeah. I just don't, I don't think it ages. I think the script is airtight. I think the performances are amazing. The choices and direction were phenomenal. Like the whole backwards structure of the black and white. Like it's just a, it's a, it's such a great movie. Right. And then yeah. I feel like he never, like he had so many expectations on him when I watched some of the other movies and everybody expects like so much, you know, I think complexity from him, right? They, they demand outside of the Batman movies, which, you know, has a different set of expectations, but mm -hmm. like movies like um, Tenet, Ugh. right? Yeah. Or um, Inception. Was it Inception? Yeah, yeah, Inception, right? Like they're very, like he's stuffing his movies now with even more concepts and more of this and that and everything. But I find them weaker movies, right? Like, I mean, I couldn't even get through Tenet without like, it took us days to get through Tenet because it was so boring. Yeah. And I actually fell asleep the first time. I couldn't, That's... I couldn't keep my eyes open. It was like, even in the middle of action, I was just like so confused. And then we, I, I actually like opened an explainer to sort of explain what was happening as we were watching. I shouldn't have to do that. The sound mix was awful. I couldn't understand anything anybody was saying. And then I Googled it and like he did it on purpose for some reason, like, it's a shitty movie. Yeah, and it's he because he wanted movie. people to lean in. And I was just like, that's no, stupid. that's just stupid sound editing. That's, that's all it is. Stupid. That's stupid, stupid, stupid. We're going to lean in it anyway if we're interested. Yeah. Don't make it so really we're leaning in because we hate the sound. Don't make us hate it. And that's why we're leaning in because we we're just trying to understand, like, even hear it. Like, mm -hmm. anyway, like, that movie is, like, it doesn't even make sense. Like, when I read and watch and try to I understand what, he's trying to do like there's so many holes in the logic there's so many holes it does not hold together at all it's like you know i i think it sucks and like inception is a good movie i did enjoy inception but i don't think it's as good as memento i think memento is way better yeah for people listening i'm nodding and agreeing to everything Austin's saying just saying uh, <laughs> i've realized i've just been like nodding and smiling and agreeing and i'm like people can't hear that what are you doing um but yeah no i absolutely agree with you and i think he has the same problem a lot of directors have that become like really big immediately is they suddenly have too much money and nobody tells them no or nobody yeah. tells them cut back or nobody's like you know, why don't we do this instead? You know, and I think that's a big part of his problem right now is that he's like, look, I have this crazy high concept thing and we're going to go backwards and we're going to do these weird things and people are going to drive and blah, 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 blah. And they're like, do what you want. Here's all of our money. Instead of like, yeah, that's really interesting. But why? You know, like just ask like two questions and maybe he'll <laughs> fix it a little bit better. What is his next movie? It's I'm just googling it now. I Oppenheimer. It's called Oppenheimer. Oh yes, it's about it's about the the guy in the uh, in the bombs. So yeah, the atom bombs. So I mean, that is a biopic. So that could be good. I mean, he's got skills, right? He's got skills oh, yeah. as a director, and I think you know if he you know maybe this one will be better because it's like uh, it's more contained. Hopefully. I mean, when I saw the trailer for it and then he was like, Christopher Nolan came at the end. I was just like, oh, that explains this trailer. Okay. Um, I'm very worried he's going to 
put it in some sort of way that is like I don't even know, but it's just some convoluted way he's put this movie together. I know. And- I I think he's gonna fuck with the timelines. He's gonna try to make it, you know, more him or whatever. Yeah. I mean, the other movie that I was trying to remember, like Interstellar. Did you ever watch that? Oh, I actually did like Interstellar. I did. I did like Interstellar. Um, but the reasons why I liked Interstellar had more to do with the technology they used in it because, like, most futuristic movies or most movies that have like robots in it, um, and like they're working with humans, the robots are humanoid, you know. And I like the fact that the robots were these like just weird square blocks that just filled with efficiency. I was like, that's really cool. Their rocket ships were cool. The problem on Earth, you know, it was about like greenhouse problems and all that kind of stuff. And like, you know, life on Earth in general. Um, the the stuff about like, like the, there was a lot of like physics stuff, like wormholes and time dilations and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, he did talk to real physicists and all that kind of stuff to try his best to come up with like real visualizations of all these things. There were a couple of things in it that were just like, oh, we get it. Just fucking go. But (laughs) most of it I liked. Um, I think that that's definitely probably the last movie to him that I can officially say like, oh, that was a pretty good movie. Um, Everything else that was just like, you're brutal. Stop it. (laughs) I feel like I watched Interstellar once and I I remember thinking there's some good ideas here. Like there's some there's a story here that I can kind of understand and like everything, but I just thought it was indulgent. I thought it was too long. I thought there were he was trying too hard to put all these other concepts in it. And I, I think it detracted from the core story, which I thought was quite nice. The mm-hmm. like Matthew McConaughey and his daughter and everything. Like I just thought I, I would have preferred less of the other stuff. Um, and that's what I think of now when I think of Chris Nolan. He just tries to throw everything in the movie, like all the concepts, all of the stuff. And well, I think that goes back to people not saying no to him. They're just like, here's yeah. bags of money and make a thing. And he's like, okay. And you don't have those people properly telling you like, why don't you edit this out? This isn't necessary. Why don't we switch this here? Does this part make sense? Make yeah. people be able to hear what people are saying. Like just say the words guys just do it just exactly (laughs) you know so so i think that's his big problem because and and i was actually a little worried to watch this because of movies like tenet and stuff i'm like maybe christopher nolan isn't as great as we think he is oh my god and then you watch this and you're just like oh he was good we had a reason to be excited oh yeah i had the same feeling because yeah i think the last movie i watched of his was tenet and like i say it took so long to get through and I just thought, I loved Memento. It's been a while, but as soon as it started, I just thought, yes, this is brilliant. This is an amazing movie. Like, it's just, it's just amazing, right? And yeah, I just think it was really hard for him to top that, that magic trick of that structure. Yeah, I think it was just like, he started so high that he just didn't have anywhere to go. Um, But I also think if he gets bags of money and decides to be like, no, I'm going to do something relatively basic and simple like a dude driving around a city and something is happening compared to going into outer space and going into people's dreams and shit like if he goes back to i think he needs to go back to that simplicity like have a high concept done in a simplistic way i think he could do something great again 
I think so. I mean, he, he's never going to be about simplicity. Like all of his movies have some degree of complexity to it and some kind of concept that he's trying to tease out unless it's, you know, IP that he can't do that much with. But I mean, I feel like, um, you know, there's a concept there that he's always think, oh, what if I do a whole movie? He doesn't remember anything. And so we're in his mind. We're just we're doing the backwards. Or what if I go in and everything is like we go into people's dreams, but we never know if we're in a dream or reality. Like there's always some kind of, hook for him mm-hmm. i feel like the hooks like there's no way to elevate or pitch the hook for tenant it was too it didn't make any sense right well and, exactly like, that's where his concepts like he needs to rein in his concepts i want i don't want him to do just a simple movie but i want him to simplify his high concepts like yeah make it make it still complicated but in a more straightforward way and don't layer in like five other complicating factors like yeah. make it yeah, and I think and I think that's why Memento works. It's like it's a very high concept. It's quite complicated, but done in such a simplistic fashion, essentially, because you spend the whole movie just driving around in cars and talking to people. You know, the the uh, the high the most intense move part is where they're running and the guy shoots out a window. That's the most intense part of the whole thing. But it's not, yeah. But it, it's not it's not about the content per se. It's about the structure, right? Because it's yeah. like every scene is a mystery because we don't know why he's there. We don't know mm-hmm. what's going on. And then the scene that we see after solves some of it, but then creates more. So the structure is the magic of that movie, right? Like the it tension, the suspense, it's all because of the way he shot it. If if you were to rearrange this movie, and I think I know that people have done this, but if you were to re-edit this movie and just make it front to back, like a normal movie, it's it a works. much more interesting movie, right? Like it's just a straightforward, there's nothing that special. It's not that exciting. It's the it's because of the way he did it, the way he chopped it up and showed it to us backwards and layered different surprises in every single scene. That's why it's interesting, right? And that's yeah. Yeah, yeah but I, I, I think you can say that about any film that plays with timelines, like you know, like Pulp Fiction and stuff too. Like I think if you put that in the correct order, it's boring. Like it's boring. Or even like Kill Bill, it's boring. Why am I only thinking of Tarantino movies right now? But any movie that plays with timelines, I think it'd be boring. Maybe, but I think, I don't know if I agree with Pulp Fiction, because I mean, I don't think the reason Pulp Fiction resonated and it was so interesting, to me at least, was the timeline. I think it was more the dialogue, right? Like, it was like a very visceral type of filmmaking he was bringing that was, I found, bracing at the time. And, you know, seeing, like, just the way he cast the stars, like Bruce Willis and John Travolta in the, that movie, and just the the you know and now it's like so cliche like criminals talking about the minutia of fast food or whatever like it happens in so many movies and has for so long like the the influence has been so pervasive that it now looks like cliche and but at the time i think pulp fiction was really quite a great movie and i think it still would have like the whole scene with you know vince vega and like uma thurman and the adrenaline shot and the whole conversation they have like I think that still would be very cool, even without the time jumping around. I think, I think that movie would still work. Okay, I could see that. I don't know. I think it would lose some of its cachet if it was in order, though. I yeah, really would. I, I think it would, but I think people mostly talk about the scenes they liked and the dialogue. I don't think people are really talking about the timeline in that particular movie. That's not the talking point usually. Yeah. Well, I think, too, with this movie, like Tarantino, his scenes are very long scenes they are like 15, 20, 30 minutes long each scene. Whereas like this, it's like five to 10 minutes because that's his memory 
reset, right? And actually, that's one thing that I found a little frustrating about this because I'm watching it and each scene resets so quickly all the time. I guess you're in his head. That's why it's like that. But also because of that, I found the movie felt so much longer, Um, but not in like, not in like a bad way, because by the time you get to the end, you were so the the story's wrapped up in such a way that you're just like, oh, it was totally worth doing all of this stuff. But it's just like the because the scenes are just so quick, like some of them are like five minutes and less and some of them are i think the longest one is like 10 minutes or something but you also see re-see some of those scenes right because they overlap they overlap a little bit yeah yeah Yeah. so that puts in a little extra in there yeah um but but yeah no i really do think it 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 holds up very well and i think it's still well done and even though there have been movies out there who've who've probably tried to emulate this in some way you know just playing with just like the 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 timeline of how they're telling the story in general um but i don't i can't think of any who's done it well if you know what i mean yeah yeah no i can't think of anyone that's done this exact thing as well but um yeah i think this is one of those you know once in a lifetime kind of ideas and he executed it perfectly and it launched his career into the stratosphere and now he is who he is and he's mega wealthy and he's had all these films Mm -hmm. and uh i think it was great that this was his first film and that like he got all the recognition because there's a lot of brilliant people in the world and they don't get the recognition this was nice that he got that recognition because it was such a good film and he deserved it for this movie he definitely did did. Yeah. yeah and you can't say that he's been lazy like my criticism of him kind of trying to add more and more high concept layers is just him not wanting to be lazy, right? It's mm. him wanting to up his game. Yeah. So yeah. no, I don't to- I don't think he's lazy in any way. I just think he needs to be pulled back to his origins a little bit and be yeah. like, no, what made these good these movies good? What made them work? What made people really like these stories? It wasn't really the fact that he turned a room upside down. It was the fact that he built interesting characters and the story unraveled in a way that kept people interested, you know, like, and I think he kind of needs to remember that. Like, just, you can tell a story, maybe not in a straight line, but you can tell a straightforward story that is interesting and complicated and you get, you know, these great character studies but it doesn't have to be so big, you know? Yeah. I feel like it'd be exhausting to be in his brain. I think so. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other episode I did before this was uh, the matrix. And I think we came to the same conclusion about, uh, with the Wachowskis is that, you know, they came out with such a bang and it was so good because they had constraints and then they had too much money and then they just have too many ideas and they just put them all out there and nobody said no. And and it feels like Christopher Nolan did exactly the same thing. Like the ideas are there, the thoughts are there. They just need to be edited better, you know, and be put out there. So, well, I mean, it's probably the human condition, right? Like you, like, you try to do more and the more you have, the more you want to try to do. And then the more successful you are, the less people are willing to tell you not to do that. So it's just, there's so many people on that path, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh In yeah. The- I think there's tons yeah. of people out there. It happens to, it happens to writers. It happens to fashion designers. Yeah. It happens to movie makers. It happens to, to, you Musicians. know, CEOs of companies, like, yes. you know, when they get all greedy and stuff, like 
it, it happens. And it's, I, and I think it's, you've worked so hard so that you can do what you want, but when you do what you want, you realize I, I need cutting back or I need help or I need editing, but nobody's there to help you do that anymore. So it can be hard. It can be hard. Yeah. Unless you have even more famous friends that are willing to tell you something. To tell you, like smack you, be like, <laughs> shut up. That's not what you're doing. Get out of here. You know? <laughs> I feel like I actually now want to actually revisit some of his stuff because it's also been a long time since I've seen Inception. So I might go and watch that at some point. I think it's a very much more entertaining than, uh, well, The Dark Knight Rises was pretty good, but I think it's probably more entertaining than most of his other filmography, to be honest. Yeah, I remember really liking it. So I think it probably would be. I don't think it's going to be as like, one thing I remember about that movie that really annoyed me is the whole point of the movie is to get this one guy to do this one thing, which is fine. But also they were introducing a new person into their organization that does the inception. But then they're just like, come, come here, Elliot Page. You know, we're going to show you a city going upside down. Okay. And then they just did nothing with them. Yeah. And you're just like, but what was the point of having this person here when you could have just had them doing the thing yeah but that's me yeah. it's okay no. <laughs> i mean i don't remember that well but i do remember i remember something about like you know not all these characters were necessary <laughs> oh no um, definitely not no there were too many people in there for no reason but it was just about having it look cool i think yeah i mean that was a very cool visual and yes. the ending right the whole ambiguous ending that people have been arguing about for years is he awake is he asleep is he awake is he asleep um, I, I remember that because it was so, uh, you know, it's now iconic, but I remember I, I really wanted to get the bottom of it. And I think the solution was, like, I feel like, he, like Nolan and I can't remember, people gave so many interviews that someone basically hinted that it was real or something. Yeah. It was something to do with like him having his wedding ring or like somebody being in the scene is the thing that made it real. Yeah. There was yeah. some detail. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so so final thoughts on these two movies. Are they watchable? You like them? Blah, blah, blah. Final thoughts. I think, okay, so my final thoughts are, I think Memento is still a brilliant piece of art. I think it's an amazing movie. I think it holds up incredibly well. And I think anybody that hasn't seen it should definitely watch it because it's so good. And if you haven't seen it in a while, I think you should revisit it. If you ever had any kind of affection for it, I think you'd still like it. Um, I just, I actually just think it's a genius piece of work. And Matchstick Man, I think was also very fun. I don't think it's as great as Memento, but I mean, it certainly surpassed my expectations. Like watching it for the first time, I kept trying to guess what kind of movie it was. And it turned out to not be any of the movies that I thought it was. And I was very entertained. I was very surprised. And I ultimately did like the ending. So I would, I, I like that too. I would recommend that too. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think Matchstick Men may not be like the piece of art that Memento is, but it's enjoyable, you know, like it's yeah. worth a watch. Um, yeah. And yeah, and Memento makes me remember why we like Christopher Nolan. And I'm like, you know what? He deserved it originally. That's fine. <laughs> he definitely did. I mean, he is a genius to have thought of that and to have executed that way. So you got to give yeah. him props for it. Yes. Definitely. Agreed. Definitely. Agreed. Well, Austin, thank you so much for coming on and having this conversation with me. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. Love talking to you. Yes, we always kind of stay on top. I know we went a little tangenty this time, but we usually stay on topic. 
Yeah. And we got really into like the minutia of stuff. It's good. It's good. <laughs> um, well, that's it for this episode of Off My Shelf. Until next time, you can follow along on Instagram and Twitter at Oh My Shelf, or you can send an email to ohmyshelf at gmail.com. On the next episode, we'll be talking about men in black and minority report. Hope you'll be here to listen. <laughs>